We are uh, looking at Acts chapter 22. Acts chapter 22. And uh, the reading is uh, Acts 22, uh, verses 1 through 21. Acts 22. Verses 1 through 21. Hear God's word. Brethren and fathers, hear my defense, which I now offer to you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew dialect, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia. Brought up in this city, educated under Gamaliel, strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, just as you are all today. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prisons. As also the high priests and all the council of the elders can testify. From them I also received letters to the brethren, and started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were there who were there to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. But it happened that as I was on my way approaching Damascus about noontime, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me saw the light, to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told of all that has been appointed for you to do. But since I could not see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. A certain Ananias, a man who was a devout who was devout by the standard of the law and well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing near said to me, "Brother Saul, receive your sight." And in that very time, I looked up at him. And he said, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will, and to see the righteous one, and to hear an utterance from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. Now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. It happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I fell into a trance, and I saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves understand that in one synagogue after another I used to imprison and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of your witness, Stephen, was being shed, 
I also was standing by approving and watching out for the coats of those who were slaying him. And he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, this, your word. Uh, We thank you that uh, you have been pleased to put it in a form, uh, written, uh, that we may read it and uh, by the power of your Spirit, have it uh, emboldened upon our hearts. And uh, we pray that this will be the case. And we ask for the presence of your Spirit this evening to impress us with your Word and with your glory and with the fact that you uh, not only convert us uh, to faith in Jesus Christ as you uh, converted this man long ago, Uh, You not only convert us to faith in Jesus Christ, but you press us into your service, even as you have uh, pressed uh, Paul into your service. So bless us as we uh, come to a greater understanding of this, we pray in the good name of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Amen. Between the years uh, 1940... And in 1973, the majority of those who served in the armed forces uh, did not volunteer. They were drafted. They were uh, conscripted. (laughs) Uh, they They were pressed into service, uh, we might say. Uh, When I was in Vietnam uh, uh, during that uh, conflict, every generation seems to have its own conflict, Uh, it seemed the majority of the men who were there didn't want to be there uh, because they were drafted. (laughs) And uh, so it was. Uh, When we look at our text uh, this evening, uh, one of the things that we learn is that the... Uh, Apostle Paul, uh, this Saul whom we come to understand uh, as the Apostle Paul, was pressed into service. And uh, this is one of the lessons uh, of our text. And uh, we find that uh, it's not uh, uh, just conversion that uh, Christ is interested in, although he's vitally interested in uh, conversion. Uh, He's also interested in the service of his people. And uh, so the text, uh, I think, uh, uh, teaches us that uh, conversion is not an end in itself. Uh, The end towards which uh, conversion looks is service. And so converted people are pressed into service. And you and I, as uh, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, are pressed into service. And uh, this is the lesson I want you to get this morning, and uh, the wonder of uh, this lesson. Uh, When we come to our text this evening, uh, the Apostle Paul is uh, in Jerusalem, and uh, he uh, has completed his third missionary journey. He's brought back to Jerusalem a... 
an offering for the saints in the church at Jerusalem. And when he meets with the elders of the church there in Jerusalem, they indicate to him that there's a problem. There's actually a problem with his presence. Because uh, there's a faction within the church at Jerusalem uh, that uh, al- although they would not consider this, themselves Judaizers, uh, they uh, uh, were not happy with the Apostle Paul because of the stance against the law that they perceived uh, the Apostle was taking. And uh, uh, in order to mitigate the, this problem, the uh, elders at the Church of Jerusalem suggest that uh, Paul take four fellows uh, that are under a vow uh, to the temple, and he with those four fellows go through the pr- appropriate uh, cleansing ceremonies, and that he buy their sacrifices and participate in uh, their uh, ser- the service of their cleansing at the termination of their vows, and uh, so indicate that he's not opposed to the, uh, uh, the, the law of God as, as many suppose uh, that he is. And so Paul consents uh, to do this. And uh, uh, the other difficulty is that it's Pentecost. And uh, at Pentecost, there are lots of people from uh, all over the Roman Empire that come to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast. And among those who come to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost are Jews from Ephesus. And you may recall that uh, the Apostle Paul had no small controversy with the Jews at Ephesus. And uh, when this faction of Jews, uh, along with uh, this party of uh, the uh, church at Jerusalem, see Paul in the temple... They stir up a controversy and an uproar. And uh, they accuse Paul even of uh, supposedly uh, bringing unbelievers, Gentiles, into the temple confines, uh, which is punishable by death. And uh, so they cause a riot. And the uh, temple authorities push them out into the uh, court of the Gentiles. And the riot... Uh, continues to erupt in the court of the Gentiles. Uh, Of course, the Roman authorities are not happy with this sort of thing. And uh, in God's providence, uh, the uh, uh, Roman soldiers uh, have their barracks uh, just above the uh, court of the Gentiles. And there's a a long staircase, stone staircase, from uh, their barracks down into the uh, court of the Gentiles. And so down come the uh, uh, Roman soldiers to uh, break up this riot uh, because they're, uh, <laughs> they're near killing Paul. And uh, they arrest Paul uh, because they, they think he's the, the main instigator of the riot and start dragging him off. And uh, Paul uh, says to the captain of the guard, hold it, hold it. Uh, let me talk to these people. And uh, this is where we enter the story. And you can see at the end of uh, chapter uh, 21, in uh, verse uh, 40, 
Paul has prevailed upon the captain of the Roman guard uh, to be able to speak to uh, the Jews uh, uh, and uh, those who have fomented this uh, riot. It says in verse 40, when he had given him permission, the the, uh, Roman centurion gives Paul permission, Paul standing on the stairs coming down from the uh, barracks into the uh, court of the Gentiles, standing above the crowd on the stairs, Paul standing on the stairs, motioned to the people with his hand, and uh, quiet down, folks, uh, as it were. And, and when there was a hush, he spoke to them in the Hebrew dialect. Uh, it, it may actually have been in Aramaic uh, that he spoke to them, the, uh, uh, the common language of the people. Uh, but, but he wants to get their attention. And uh, so, so then we come to uh, chapter 21 and uh, verses 1 and 2. Brethren and fathers, hear my defense, which I now offer to you. And when they had heard uh, that he was addressing them in the Hebrew dialect, they became even more quiet. And he said, and uh, uh, Paul goes on. Paul here is offering now a defense, as uh, he says, to the Jews. Uh, uh, and uh, they have a, a controversy with him, it seems, and so he's offering a defense uh, regarding his faith uh, to the Jews. In uh, Acts chapter 9, uh, which we were able to look at uh, uh, the last time I was uh, privileged to speak to you, Uh, Luke tells us the story of uh, Paul's conversion. It's a third-person narrative. Uh, In this second iteration of the conversion of the apostle, Paul uh, gives us his own story. It's a first-person narrative. And in this case, he's speaking to the Jews. In Acts chapter 26, uh, we also have the apostle... Uh, giving uh, his own uh, story with regard to his conversion. Only in Acts chapter 26, he's talking to Gentiles. And so now, in this circumstance, speaking to the Jews, he's offering a defense, and uh, this defense has its own, uh, we would say, peculiarities that are adjusted to the fact that he's speaking to a Jewish audience. And so you ought to keep this in mind, too, as we uh, consider what the apostle has to say. Uh, Verse 3 and following. I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated under Gamaliel, strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, just as you all are today. I persecuted this way uh, to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prisons, as also the high priest and all the council of the elders can testify. From them I also received letters to the brethren, and I started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were there to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. He says, okay, Jewish audience, I'm one of you. Hello? (laughs) This is the tact he's taking. I'm, I'm one of you. You need to realize that this is the case. I am a Jew. Uh, I was born in, in uh, no mean city. 
Tarsus in Cilicia. And at an early age, I was brought to Jerusalem to study under the eminent Gamaliel, one of the chiefest of rabbis who taught me the law, the law as you understand it. And uh, as you can see at the end of verse 3, to be zealous for God, just as you all are today. Make no mistake. You see, the apostle is laying a groundwork here, and the groundwork he's laying is to display to the Jews that something happened to me, I've been one of you, and something happened to me. I didn't choose this. It wasn't by my instigation, but in the end, it's the great God of heaven that had his way. And this is the direction that the apostle is going. And he wants to show the people that he was pressed into the service of the king. Uh, Of course, uh, this is the sort of thing that happens to all of us, too, is it not? We have a past life about which we can speak. Uh, You and I do not come fresh from the womb as uh, born-again believers. Uh, We must be converted. This is what must take place. And as parents, we take vows to teach our children the gospel. And we indicate before the congregation that we realize that our children are born in sin and need to hear the message of salvation. And it's incumbent upon us to teach them that message. Praise be unto God uh, that they are born into a circumstance where they do hear that message. Uh, What a wonderful thing that is. And so uh, there's a certain sense in which we all have a past about which we can testify. You do. And I do. And uh, there's a sense in which, you see, we begin uh, in our own defense of the faith when we're challenged uh, by those who are in opposition to us in the same place that Paul begins. I, I understand where you're coming from because I came from the same place. This is, in essence, what the apostle is saying. But then something happened. And it's striking how the text reads. Verse 6 and following. But it happened. (laughs) It happened. Yes, it did. It's not some decision that I made. Uh, You see, Paul is indicating. It happened that as I was on my way approaching Damascus about noontime, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me. And I fell to the ground and heard the voice, a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me saw the light, to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. It happened. Here I am, on my way to Damascus, on a commission uh, from the high priest here in Jerusalem and from the council of elders to go to Damascus 
to carry out the program of persecution of Christians. And I was about that business. Your elders and the priests can testify uh, to these very things. And as I was on the road, and the text tells us the time of day in this case, about noontime, a great light from heaven shone around me. Now you can contemplate this a little bit as to what the picture is. It's a bright, sunny day on the road from Jerusalem to Damascus. And it's a desert road. And the sun is hot and high in the heavens. And about noontime, there is a light brighter than the sun that shines around the apostle, and literally knocks him to the ground. Oh! The brightness of that light is overcoming. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. It's striking. In Acts chapter 9, as Luke tells the story, Uh, the uh, question is, who are you, Lord? The answer is, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And here is added uh, this little descriptive, the Nazarene. Why? Again, the Jewish audience. And the Jews know who this Nazarene is. Jesus of Nazareth, who had provoked much trouble, they say, in Judea and in Galilee and in Jerusalem. And so, uh, this little uh, descriptive is added. And knocked to the ground, those who were with me, Paul says, saw the light but did not understand the voice of the one who is speaking to me. As we talked about uh, Acts uh, 9, I spoke about the fact that Paul was surprised by glory, by the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And it's striking, isn't it, that there were others there who saw the light but didn't understand and could not perceive what was being spoken. It's often the case, isn't it? The light shines from heaven some in the congregation get the message. Others walk away nonplussed. It's all in the hands of God, is it not? 
And in this case, there was a particular message for a particular man on a particular occasion in a particular place. Verse 10. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Get up and go on into Damascus, and there you will be told of all that has been appointed for you to do. But since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. Remember again Ezekiel, who in captivity in Babylon had a vision of the chariot throne of God and the glory of the Lord coming. And when he saw the glory of God, and the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, he fell on his face. And the Lord said to him, Get up. Get up. There's a message for you. It was similar with John, was it not? In the book of Revelation, seeing the glory of Jesus Christ falling on his face, and Jesus saying to him, Get up, get up. For there's a message for you. And it's the same here. Prostrate on the ground before the Lord of glory. Get up. Get up. What am I to do? Go into Damascus. And it will be shown you what you are to do. But he could not see. In this case, is it not striking The light came, and rather than the light producing greater vision, the light produced blindness. The light produced darkness, plunged into darkness. Paul does not go into uh, what took place during the time he was in Damascus. You have to go back to Acts chapter 9 to uh, see that uh, there was three days and he prayed. And of course he prayed. Because all that he had understood, all that he had known, all that he had studied, all that he had learned was now being called into question. The rug was being pulled out from his life in a very literal sense. And everything had to be reevaluated. And so it was. Verse 12. A certain Ananias, a man who was devout by the standard of the law and well, and well spoken of by all of the Jews who lived there, came to me. Do you get the ring of the text? Speaking to the Jews. Ananias a man who was devout by the standard of the law, a man who was well spoken of by all the Jews. This is the man who came to me. 
and standing near, said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. How often it is through that through human instruments the light comes. How often has it been the case that you've experienced this sort of thing? Sitting in a Bible study. Sitting in a preaching service. Reading the Bible to your children. That the light comes. And it's through a human instrument. A feeble human instrument. And so it was here with Paul. Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very time, I looked up at him. And he said, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear an utterance from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. Here's the first step uh, in reality in the life of Paul of his becoming an apostle. What are the requirements? One, you have seen the risen Lord. And so, as Paul says himself, as one untimely born, <laughs> that's how he characterizes it. I saw the Lord. And so, uh, the first piece is uh, given here. And then uh, Ananias uh, gives a little prophecy, it seems. For you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. This is what's going to take place. You're going to be a witness now. Because you've seen the Lord. You've encountered the glory of God. You've seen the, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so you're a witness now. You folks, too, are witnesses. Isn't this not the case? by virtue of the fact that you have encountered Jesus Christ. If you're born again, and God has been pleased to work in your heart, you were at the scene of the accident, as it were. You were there when all of this took place. And it's unavoidable that you can testify to the fact concerning what Christ has done. You are a witness. And God has made you such. And this is what uh, Ananias is relating to uh, Paul. And Ananias goes on to say then, Now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. As I see it, uh, this is where Paul is actually converted. Because this is where he calls on Christ. He calls on Jesus Christ and confesses his sins and trusts in Jesus Christ. This is the exhortation. And of course, this is the exhortation to each and every one of us. That you and I are exhorted by God 
to call on the name of Christ, that this is the place of salvation. And this is the place of salvation alone. And of course, some would say, oh, oh, Christianity is just too narrow. Uh, You bet. It is narrow. And I'm ready to say that it is. If somebody says to me, Christianity is too narrow, yep, it is. There is no other way uh, into heaven. There's no other name given among men whereby you must be saved. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's it. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way. And you and I must understand that this is the case and uh, uh, understand it for ourselves and also for others. Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins. Baptism is the outward sign of the inward grace of cleansing, the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Praise be unto God. And so Paul submits to baptism. And uh, as we indicated uh, in the lesson on uh, Acts chapter 9, wonder of wonders, by way of baptism... Paul becomes a member of the church at Damascus, the very church he was prepared to brutalize and to prosecute before the authorities in Jerusalem. What a change has taken place. And you see, part of the argument of the Apostle Paul is this is what happened to me. I didn't plan this. I didn't schedule this. I didn't look for this. This is what happened to me. And it's undeniable. Fast forward a little then. Verse 17. It happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I fell into a trance. And I saw him saying to me, Make haste, get out of of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves understand that in one synagogue after another I used to imprison and beat uh, those who believed in you. And when the blood of your witness Stephen was being shed, I also was standing by approving and watching out for the coats of those who were slaying him. And he said to me, Go! Go! For I will send you away to the Gentiles. After leaving Damascus, uh, Paul goes back to Jerusalem. He goes back into the temple. And in a vision, it appears, he sees again the Lord. Out of Jerusalem. Get out. Your, Your testimony about me is not going to be accepted. But Lord, but Lord, no, go, get out. Verse 21. Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Go. Sound like another verse of Scripture you're familiar with? (laughs) The Great Commission. Same word. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Same injunction. Same word. 
Go, for I will send you away to the Gentiles, to the nations. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Same word. (laughs) Very striking. Here Here is the commission. This man has not only seen the Lord, but now he is given a very specific commission by Christ to disciple the nations. He's an apostle. He's seen the Lord, and he's been sent by the Lord. He was pressed into service. You see, this is his argument. I was pressed into service. This was not my idea. Friends, you and I have been pressed into service by Jesus Christ. It's unavoidable. Conversion is not the end game. Conversion is important. Conversion is a must. But it's not satisfactory for us to be glad that we're converted and go no further. You and I are bond servants of Jesus Christ. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. And he's called you into his service. And to this extent, you and I are like Paul. No, not apostles, far from it. But like him, we've been pressed into service. And it doesn't matter your station in life, it doesn't matter your age or your occupation, or your gender, or your nationality. If you're a Christian, you are pressed into service. And if you're a child in the home, living under your parents, and going to school, you're in the service of Jesus Christ. And if you're a mom raising children, you are in the service of Jesus Christ. And if you're a dad raising children and and teaching them, you are in the service of Jesus Christ. And if you have a job in this world, in that employment, you are in the service of Jesus Christ. This is the fact of the matter. Praise be unto God. This is the fact of the matter. And this is the big lesson, it seems to me, that comes to us in Acts chapter 22. Having been surprised by the glory of Christ, you are now Pressed into the service of Jesus Christ, your master and your king.
Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are so good to us, better than we deserve, and we thank you and praise you that this is the case. Bless us with an understanding of your word and of our status before you, for we pray it in the good name of Jesus Christ, our King, and we pray as your servants. In Jesus' name, amen.